Love Talk Radio. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark, along with Rudy Armand of ESPN 97.7 The Zone and Thomas Watts, our producer of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. There's a ton going on with the University of Alabama uh, for it to be <laughs> June and school will be out. Uh, we have a softball team playing for a championship out in Oklahoma City. We have a baseball coaching search going on, and uh, we have uh, potential depth issues on the defensive line, depending on who does and doesn't qualify. And we'll address all those things and more tonight on this edition of BAMS Radio. Uh, We'll be hearing uh, recordings from uh, Ben Jones and Jimmy Stein about the coaching search for baseball. We'll be hearing from Roger Myers live, who I've had some private messages with on Twitter, and I know where he stands on it. And uh, that'll be great. And then we'll be hearing from uh, William Redfish Barger on the football situation here at the bottom of this hour. But, Drew, uh, I have to give you credit. You called it. Uh, I had thought Gaspard might have a chance of being retained if they made the tournament, but it now appears that uh, he was gone either way. Uh, the search is on. There's a lot of names out there, different tiers. Uh, Bill Battle dropped some hints today. Uh, and uh, where do you think things stand before we hear from our experts? Well, you know, Gary, I, first of all, I, was, I thought it was handled really well. Uh, Bitch Gaspard saw the writing on the wall, and, uh, you know, as he said, uh, he resigned following the loss to Florida because everyone looking at Alabama's RPI realized it was going to be an uphill climb uh, to make the uh, NCAA tournament. It's the first time in 21-plus years they've missed back-to-back NCAAs. And it was and – and much like the David Cuckle situation with Ole Miss back in uh, the late 90s, I don't think David wanted to depart with some staff members, and he lost his job at Ole Miss. And I think uh, Gaspard didn't want to – part with uh, Andy Phillips. I think he probably maybe not had the stomach to do so. And so uh, he uh, resigned and uh, made a clean break. I thought uh, Alabama had a, a good plan. Within an hour of the uh, selection special, you saw the statement released by Bill Battle and then the statement released by Mitch Gaspard, uh, who is a very class individual, uh, who I, I had a chance to interview a couple times on my show, Talking Ball, great guy, as is, is, uh, media-friendly as there had to be. But I was very critical down the stretch of his tenure and I felt like it was uh, justified. I think Alabama didn't maximize what they had, uh, and they decided to let him coach in the new stadium. That's fine, but still didn't get the uh, really uh, didn't get the results uh, warranted. Thirty-two and twenty-six, and missing the postseason. But it looks like they're going to go trophy hunting, and we'll we'll hear uh, you know from uh, from Ben Jones and also uh, from Roger Myers later in the uh, in the uh, live later in the show. But of course, Ben is a recorded interview, and we're also going to hear. Uh, from Jimmy Stein, and he'll uh, he'll talk about a guy like Mark Calvey, who I think is going to be uh, a for at the forefront of Alabama search. Uh, it's already kind of started uh, unfolding because Texas has made a change, and now Kentucky, 
but Texas will probably be uh, the one that is the most attractive job. But I can tell you this from talking to people, I've said Tim Corbin should be the top candidate in any search for any school, and he will be, but I don't look for him to move. Uh, he has a perfect situation at Vandy from a scholarship standpoint, and the machine he's got recruiting, I don't think he'd go to Texas or Alabama. And now Dan McDonald from Louisville has signed a contract. I knew it would be very tough to move him. It'll also be tough to to, to move Brian O'Connor, but you just got to continue to gauge interest in the job. And and uh, also, I've also spoken with Mark Etheridge this week. He believes that Alabama is going to should shoot for the stars, and uh, as he put it, and be uh, big trophy hunting. He, he thinks there could be a guy out there that might want a new challenge in a Power Five league that you may not be thinking about that Alabama could draw interest from. So we'll see. And then, as you uh, rightly pointed out, Kerry. Uh, Bill Battle had a revealing statement today about his kind of criteria for the search. Well, Drew, I have to jump in with with two quick points. First off, leave South Alabama's baseball coach out of this. It's (laughs) it's our thing. Let us have a thing down here. That's all I ask. And secondly, and far more importantly, how does it feel to uh, have taken all that crap on Twitter as Alabama was number one in the SEC. Number one in the West. That's number what I was one told. In the, excuse me, number one in the West. Pardon me. And now uh-huh. it's just like, well, what's up now, guys? Well, now, how's know, it feel? <laughs> all I told those guys on Twitter without getting personal is, let's let this thing and see where they're in, in a month and a half, two months, where they finish. And Alabama finished ninth in the SEC. Uh, they did not finish anywhere close. They finished fifth in the West. Um, and uh, and you know and and so th- that's just the way it is. They they did not have a good year at all. Uh, really, I thought it was average. I didn't think they played good quality fundamental baseball. I didn't think they were well coached. And as a result, you saw the change. And now Alabama's got a chance to make a change. And and then when you compare it to across town, and Kerry's made this comparison, you look at the energy with the softball program and what Coach Murphy has done yet again uh, you know, for the 11th time going back to Oklahoma City. Uh, he's uh, he always seems to know the buttons to the buttons to push in the postseason. He's got Alexis Osorio throwing her best uh, softball. She was dominant in the, being an MVP of the regional and the super regional. Now you have Demi Turner back in the lineup, uh, providing some speed at the bottom, and uh, they just they're playing their best softball. And uh, it's kind of ironic that I think probably two of the three four best teams left is Alabama and Auburn, but uh, they both are in Oklahoma City and have an excellent outlook. Alabama will be in the showcase game uh, tomorrow as we get cranked up in the World Series at 6 o'clock, taking on Michigan, who they have quite a history with. Uh, and uh, they've, uh, they've, they've got a, a program that's also won the national championship, and it should be a heck of a matchup. Or, excuse me, let me take that back. They play Oklahoma first, but they could see Michigan. Uh, but they've, they've got a heck of a history with Oklahoma. Uh, and Coach Gasso, and uh, they beat them in 2012 for the national championship. Oklahoma comes back to win it all. Alabama puts Oklahoma out in the Super Regionals thanks to Marissa home runnings a hot streak last year. Uh, but, again, they, you've got Michigan in there that Alabama's seen. They, they could see them if they win, if they beat Oklahoma. But it is the, the, the signature matchup, as Tommy Dees told me this week, Alabama and Oklahoma, it's in, in primetime for a reason. So, But hats off to Coach Murphy and a uh, great run for the ladies. And I was able to be there when they clinched it uh, Saturday. It's always a lot of fun. You know, I know I've told you this before, but I'll say it again. It's so much more fun to cover Alabama softball than it is Alabama baseball. A, because the games go quicker. B, because they're just more competitive. But, you know, Washington brought a good team into Tuscaloosa. And Alabama just 
decided it wasn't even going to go three. They just took them two straight, and uh, five to two was the final of the game I covered. As you pointed out, Osorio was up for the challenge. She threw 156 pitches Friday night. And when Sidney Littlejohn started faltering just a little bit in the third inning on Saturday, Murph decided to go ahead and bring in Alexis because she was hot. And as he said after the game, Drew, in our press conference, the most resilient kid he's ever coached. I'll say this much for Alexis Osorio. She doesn't let anything bother her. She doesn't let umpires miss and calls bother her. She doesn't let the occasional big-time hit bother her. She just gets out there and does her business. And she's only a sophomore, but she's a stud, Drew, and she's a warrior. And as soon as he brought her in, uh, I had the feeling that Alabama's going to win that second game. Yeah, she uh, as long as the blister situation was uh, taken care of, and it, and it was pretty painfully uh, painfully obvious for, unfortunately for <laughs> excuse me for Washington that it was uh, the first inning she was in by the uh, and as Coach Murphy said they just needed now four and two thirds out of her as Little John got them through the first two plus innings so uh, they're going to have to maybe ride her a little bit they'll need Little John some uh, in uh, Oklahoma City but if uh, Osorio is on if it's if she guess she can locate and has got that spin and movement she's going to be very tough and. Uh, Oklahoma's got a lengthy winning streak for Coach Gasso in that group, but Alabama's not going to be intimidated. I think they lost Oklahoma two to nothing earlier this year, but uh, they still uh, competed very well. So we're going to see how that turns out, and it should be a heck of a matchup. But uh, going back uh, to uh, the baseball situation, I wanted to uh, wrap this up. We were going to, we were going to, uh, and we'll come back and get y'all's comments on it. But I wanted to replay this interview I had uh, with TideSports.com's Ben Jones on Talking Ball. Uh, it was just outstanding journalism, first of all, on Monday when he released this interview that Coach Gaspar did two hours after resigning at Alabama publicly. And most head coaches wouldn't do this. They wouldn't put, give you the insight into it uh, as to why this may have happened. But I uh, just wanted to talk to Ben about it. And this is Ben Jones on the uh, dismissal or the now resignation of former Alabama baseball coach uh, Mitch Gaspard. And that is TideSports.com's Ben Jones. Ben, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How about you guys? Good. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Ben. We want to thank you for taking the time to join us. And I know you uh, basically had the Alabama baseball beat this year for TideSports.com, uh, part of the Rivals Network. And the Tuscaloosa News has always had a great relationship with Alabama baseball. And uh, I just, just kind of tell our listeners, kind of first of all, before we delve into it, how this interview came to pass. Uh I got a text message uh, yesterday morning, shortly before the selection show, um, from the SID uh, for Alabama baseball, just saying that Mitch would be willing to talk to me after the selection show was over, uh, whether they were in or out. Um, and, you know, shortly after the selection show, I kind of started to hear some idea that um, it there might be some other news coming down the pipe. And, you know, shortly after that, that was when they announced formally that Mitch was going to be resigning. Um, Mitch gave me a call a couple hours after that, so I had a little bit of time to get ready, um, but just kind of a couple hours. Yeah, and uh, and Ben, uh, I thought it was a very revealing interview. Most of the time when you have uh, a coach step away uh, or resign, there's not a whole lot said about it. Uh, he doesn't delve into what he kind of did yesterday. I, I thought it was fascinating, honestly. Yeah, it's certainly uh, not normal, I think, when there's a coaching change like this to have a guy speak up um, on, on the day when it's announced. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it speaks to kind of Mitch's character, how they handled this, that 
um, he was able to kind of get in front of the situation and uh, told Bill Battle on Friday that he was going to be resigning at the end of the season, um, waited until Monday to announce it. The players and coaches, the last time that they would all be available, he wanted to tell them in person, um, but you know, was, was willing to speak to a couple members of the media uh, and was, was also uh, had written that letter for fans that uh, Alabama baseball posted yesterday. You know, and that's exactly something I wanted to ask you is, you know, you just said how it speaks about his character, and that's something that I agree with 100%. You know, it kind of shows his love for the um, sport of baseball in Alabama and how he wants it to continue to grow in the future. So talk about that and talk about how um, he expressed, you know, his um, desire to see the program continue to grow um, in a positive way. Yeah, you know, some folks had, had been curious about why he had, decided he was going to resign on Friday and kind of the timing of this, what the situation would have been if they had ended up making the tournament, um, what would have happened. I think that really barring something very unusual, even if they'd made the tournament, um, this was going to be his last season. I think he understood the, kind of what the expectations were to Alabama and understood that he hadn't met those at this point. It was, was really very realistic uh, when he spoke with me yesterday. I think one of the, one of the phrases he used was he, he talked about hoping and expecting to have major success in Alabama, and instead uh, he, he had what they called marginal success. Um, but by stepping aside and, and kind of taking the decision out of Bill Battle's hands, it, it kind of enables a clean break for the program. Um, you know, this, this was his decision by all accounts, and so as a result, the players don't have to feel any sort of animosity towards the administration or the university. Um, it's, it's not a matter of the athletic director forcing their coach out and going out to bring someone else in, this was this was Mitch's decision to kind of make things a little bit, a little bit easier for everyone involved. Yeah, and Ben, uh, it, it was a kind of a roller coaster all year. Alabama had some uh, high points and uh, was ranked for a short period of time uh, in the preseason, and then uh, got off to a pretty good start uh, in the conference, especially that road series over LSU, which could have easily been a sweep. Uh, it just shows you how. <laughs> fragile the season can be because if yeah, but I did think Mitch was a uh, very forthright in realizing uh, that they needed to have more success really in the midweek that they had quite a bit in the SEC yeah I think there were there were probably a couple things that hurt them one like you said being the midweek games if, if you've been able to take uh, you know a couple of those games that you probably shouldn't have lost against Stanford or UAB um, then it really would have helped the RPI quite a bit um, if you'd been able to get maybe one or two more SEC wins. And there were a lot of games that they were in, mm. you know, throughout the season that they lost just because of how good the pitching was, that they would lose by one or two runs, then that might have been enough. Uh, they, they probably were in the tournament after the second to last week of the season when they got that sweep at Arkansas and were 15-12 and 12 in the conference. Um, they were probably out of the tournament once again uh, after losing – all three games to South Carolina the next week and ended up 15-15 in conference. I think that by beating Kentucky in that first game in the SEC tournament, they gave themselves a chance if all of the conference tournaments broke their way and there weren't any teams to steal at large bids. Um, but that's not how it ended up. And, Ben, I, uh, I wanted to ask one more thing. Uh, I know Coach didn't really go into specifics about what he wanted to do differently, but do you think in your mind that – that he regrets maybe not pitching Nick Eichholz on that Sunday against South Carolina? Uh, I don't think that was what he was alluding to. I don't mm. want to put words in his mouth. That right. wasn't the sense that I got from talking to him. Um, I think he was talking more more bigger picture. 
uh, with with that specific answer. I think that the, the thinking behind throwing Nick Eichholz against Kentucky was that if it came down to being Alabama and Kentucky for the last spot right. in the NCAA tournament or for one spot in the NCAA tournament, that you wanted to have that last win over Kentucky. Um, and you wanted to give yourself a chance to at least pick up a, a one or two more wins in the SEC tournament. Um, I think he would probably still say that was the right decision. Um, and you know, if I had to guess, it didn't get to this point, obviously, but if I had to guess, I would say that the NCAA tournament selection committee was probably closer to putting Alabama at the field than Kentucky. You know, and um, there's another point you wrote um, in your article that I thought was really intriguing to me, and that was um, the state lottery system. You know, obviously that's something that he was saying, unlike many other SEC schools, Alabama's one that lacks it, so it puts Alabama baseball at a disadvantage. But he also said that he believes a resourceful coach can overcome that and build the depth need to compete in the SEC. So talk about that and hear your opinion. You know, what are some coaches um, – that you can think of that could overcome that and build the depth um, to for Alabama to one day make it to the College World Series. Right. Um, well, the basic kind of like 60-second gist of the issue with the state lottery system is that there are several other SEC states um, like Florida or Georgia or Kentucky, for example, that have a state lottery system in place that provides scholarship money, academic scholarship money, uh, to in-state students that go there. I grew up in Kentucky, and we had what was called Keys Money, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in Florida it's called the Bright Futures, and in Georgia it's the Hope Scholarship, something like that. And so if you were to get a certain score on your ACT or SAT or a certain GPA and you end up at one of the in-state public universities, then a certain amount of your tuition money is automatically discounted, whether that's 20% or 30%, just throwing out kind of hypothetical numbers here. Um, and it might be different from state to state. Um, but because Alabama doesn't have that, then, say, a, a kid in Georgia – who is being recruited by Georgia, gets a 40% academic scholarship to go to Georgia. Baseball is a partial scholarship sport, unlike football and basketball, where baseball has 11.7 scholarships to use to fill out its roster. So that kid who's going to Georgia and on a 40% academic scholarship can then get offered 60% of an athletic scholarship by Georgia, and he's at school for free. Whereas if Alabama were recruiting that same player, because or a similar player within the state of Alabama, to get him in school for free, they would have to offer him a 100% athletic scholarship. Uh, I think if you're talking about coaches who can overcome that or at least are aware of that and some of the ways around that, um, then you might look at guys who have ties, obviously, to the program at Alabama and are familiar with that, Um, guys who have worked in the state previously at other jobs or or at current jobs um, or been in similar situations. Mississippi is another non-lottery state. And then, Ben, uh, I, I thought it was interesting, some of the insight he, uh, Coach Gaspard gave into how he, how they, he, his staff got a little creative uh, with someone like Kobe Vance uh, coming out of North Carolina. Yeah, Kobe is a guy who I believe is on a federal scholarship program um, because he has a family member who's in the military. Mm. Um, so my understanding is that Kobe Vance, who is Alabama's everyday second baseman this season and probably will be for the next couple of seasons the everyday second baseman, uh, is that school on a full scholarship that doesn't count against the 11.7 for baseball? Yeah, that, and that's what uh, Coach Gaspard was talking about, about the new coach uh, being creative. And I thought he had uh, some uh, interesting points and uh, the, about the future of the program. Yeah, you know, he, he talked about there still being the opportunity to compete for College World Series, and that was his expectation when he got here. And I think he believes that, 
that can still be the expectation um, and can still be the goal for the next coach here. Um, I think that, you know, given the resources in place, not just with the new stadium, which is what everyone wants to point to, but also just kind of the infrastructure of the university, um, the, the kind of coach that they can bring in, uh, and, and the name recognition of Alabama he talked about, there's still being a lot of reasons why Alabama baseball can be nationally competitive. And I know he was still very proud because during his tenure, uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, Ben, uh, as an assistant coach, they had the best run in the history of the school, uh, going to Omaha three times uh, from 96 to 99, nearly winning it all in 97. Uh, and then it took a long time, but he was here uh, to foresee the building of the new Joe, which is going to be uh, one of the biggest draws for the new coach and his staff. Yeah, you know, if, if you're looking back at Mitch Gaspard's time at Alabama as a whole, the 16 years as an assistant and as a head coach, um, there there was really a lot of good for the program. You know, he as combining his years as an assistant and as a head coach was a part of 12 of the 23 all-time NCAA tournament appearances for the program. Um, he was he was here for three of the five College World Series appearances. Uh, all of those three came under Jim Wells, of course. Um, and you know, the program. Uh, you can say what you want about the last couple of seasons here, but the program never really bottomed out. This isn't the team that went nine and twenty-one mm-hmm. in the SEC. Um, he, you know, he—it's he, not a program that's in complete disrepair. And in some ways, particularly when you talk about the facilities, it might be in better shape for the long-term future um, than it was when he started here as head coach seven years ago. Uh, if, if you're looking at the Mitch Gaspard tenure, you can say that you know he might end up being the bridge from the Jim Wells era, which was probably the most successful era in Alabama baseball, to the next coach. And, you know, fans and the administration obviously hope that the next coach looks a lot more like what the Jim Wells era was. Well, and, and Ben, i got to say, uh, with the advent of the SEC network and the television aspect, uh, and we've talked about the new stadium, uh, and I also thought uh, Coach Gaspard had some interesting things to say about making it a positive that Alabama is considered a football school. Yeah, you know, the, what he talked about was the name recognition of Alabama uh, and talking about going back to recruiting and needing to have the depth to compete with some of the other SEC teams. And the struggle there, like we talked about, is some of the scholarship limitations that you have. But the advantage that you have is that the University of Alabama is a name that carries weight throughout the country. Um, you know, obviously it carries an enormous amount of weight with anyone within the state of Alabama, um, with anyone who has ties to the University of Alabama. Um, but given, you know, what the state of the athletic department is as a whole here, uh, he said that's a name, the University of Alabama, that can get you in any living room in America. And from there, you just need the right guy who can be able to sell it on and recruit that talent. Yeah, you really do. And and then you've, got, you've grown close in this past season uh, to this program. You've seen some of the young players. We've already talked about Kobe Vance, who – could, should be a mainstay in this lineup for at least two more years and was a 14th-round draft pick, I believe, of the Cleveland Indians and turned that down to come to school. What What are your thoughts on the future of this program? Uh, the, the, I think that next year, uh, you know, it's so hard to tell with baseball recruiting because mm. everything is so fluid. You know, the, the draft is coming up in just eight or nine days at this point, and the draft, you know, in some cases can totally wreck a recruiting class and you have to start all over again. Um, and, you know, a new coach may want to start all over again with a recruiting class. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of pieces here 
which would give you some optimism for a, a year or two down the road. Jake Walters was a sophomore and pitched really, really well this year. Um, you feel good about having him in your starting rotation next year. You can feel pretty good about Kobe Vance and Chandler Taylor, two freshmen that were everyday players for Alabama. Uh, and Chandler Taylor in particular was really playing well at the end of the season. You really started to see the light come on for him at the plate and was cutting down on some strikeouts. Um, you are going to have a lot of holes still. You can probably expect it's more likely than not that guys like Jeffrey Bramblett and Nick Eichholz and Tommy Burroughs um, are all going to end up uh, signing professional contracts. Um, that's also a possibility for guys like Will Haney. Um, there's some seniors like Georgie Salem and Chance Vincent that were everyday players that will not be back next year. So there's there's probably a lot of work to be done on the roster for next year. Um, but there are some pieces, I think, that you can look at uh, and feel good about. And Ben, finally, uh, now that they've – I thought they handled everything with a class uh, – in a class way, Coach Gaspard and Bill Battle, uh, in uh, in resolving this coaching situation quickly. It looks like they have a plan in place to go forward. In your mind, of course, the regionals are starting this weekend. Have you got any kind of – inkling of what kind of timeline we could be on for a replacement because of the draft and as you said recruiting uh i think a lot of that kind of depends on, on who they choose to go after um it, it's been a little bit difficult to get a read on hmm. right now you know bill battle at this point is on probably day day four of his coaching search right and uh it wasn't even 24 hours ago that we heard that mitch was stepping down um so he, he kind of got a head start on the rest of us uh, if it's the guy who ends up with a program that uh, plays into a super regional or into the College World Series, um, then it might take longer to get that guy in for an interview. Um, certainly would take longer to be able to introduce him. Uh, if it's the guy who, whose team is uh, or an assistant of a program that ends up getting knocked out this week or a guy who's able to leave the program for, for a little bit to come interview, then it might be able to be resolved a little bit sooner. Well, Ben, we appreciate the time, sir. It was an outstanding interview. Let everybody know, of course, where they can still find that and, uh, and about your Twitter feed and what you're working on uh, for TideSports.com, sir. Yeah, you can uh, check out that interview with Mitch Gaspard on TideSports.com, and also even if you're not a member, you can take a, a look at the story that we have on the front page right now, which includes some of the quotes, not all the quotes from that interview. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at BW underscore Jones or at TideSports on Twitter. And I know Thank you, so much. you will be all over this search, and TideSports.com will be the place to go to catch up on that and uh, where, this, uh, where this goes for the future of the program. But we want to thank you for taking the time to join Talking Ball for the first time. And that was Ben Jones of TideSports.com, Thomas Watts, and uh, some uh, interesting uh, insight. And uh, Coach Gaspard uh, going on the record a little bit with what happened and Again, class individual, but uh, the move had to be made, and I think uh, now the ball's in Bill Battle's court, so to speak. Uh, and as we already talked about earlier in the show, he's looks like he's looking for someone uh, with head coaching experience. Uh, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this all turns uh, about and uh, how it uh, works out. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see where uh, where he's going to go. I mean, we have all these lists and all these groups, and yeah, you know, one of the things that came out of the interview that with Ben, one of the things that I got is with the with the financial windfall and the national branding that is Alabama through the football program. There's some opportunity 
to do some really, you know, do some big things. You know, you're oh, yeah. not going to be able to get by the scholarship thing unless the state starts a lottery or they reconfigure it and work around that issue. Mm. But I mean, you're still talking about uh, a very, very solid ac- athletic department, excuse me, yeah. and a brand new facility that, you know, to, to, to quote some folks we've had on the program and folks that, you know, we've both talked to that facility is second to none. Like they're, one of the things I believe when they had the, the returning alumni baseball game thing, even the like current major leaguers were like, we don't have as good a facility as this. And, you know, Alabama makes money, but major league baseball is a whole different animal in terms of ability to spend. So that, that really jumped out to me. So I'm hopeful and, uh, it remains uh, to be seen. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to read this statement real quick before we bring on William Barger to talk some football. What Bill Battle said today from the SEC spring meetings in Destin, Florida, is he said, what I'd like to have is somebody that's had head coaching experience, somebody that has had recruiting experience in this part of the country. I'd like to have somebody with an Alabama connection. I know that's hard to find. We'll get what we can find when you're hiring a head coach or anybody for any position you look for who's available, who's interested in your job, and who you can afford and who you can work out terms with. So we have started that search. A lot of the people we're looking at are still involved in their season, so it may be some time period before we can talk to them. We have a good list, a good pool of candidates available. There's a growing list of schools looking for coaches. And when he says a connection to Alabama, I think he means more along the side of the, along the lines of the state than the university, and I can understand that, and that's why uh, a certain someone that you don't want us to talk about has been, ta- has been mentioned and uh, will be the basis of our conversation, or we'll play, we'll play later with Jimmy Stein. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Mark Calvey. But they will be getting started this weekend in Tallahassee, Florida, Thomas, as your uh, second alma mater in hometown school uh, is going to be taking on a uh, familiar opponent they've already beaten twice this year in the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. And uh, so that should be an, an outstanding regional. Uh, most people believe that the Tallahassee regional is the top one uh, in, in or, or one of the top two or three this year in college baseball. As like I said, South Alabama will take on Southern Miss and Florida State will take on another in-state school, the only other one uh, to make the regionals, and that's Alabama State. And uh, Coach Melendez is another one that has been – mentioned uh, as maybe a a candidate for the Alabama job also. He had a great run at Bethune-Cookman, reaching several uh, uh, NCAA regionals, and now uh, has uh, gotten Alabama State uh, into the postseason. And that's not easy to do uh, in this day and time in college baseball in the SWAC. He's uh, done an outstanding job of recruiting and bringing in quality talent. And uh, so, uh, but again, just watch, watch that Tallahassee regional closely because I think uh, those are that the, the two schools there, uh, both South Alabama and even Alabama State, could have coaches that uh, may be uh, on the short list for the University of Alabama. But now uh, we're going to go uh, to our Asian Rim hotline. Uh, we've got our next guest on the program. He's been uh, he's become a, a, a weekly contributor and a big part of Bams Radio, and will be a huge part of the future of this podcast. And that is William Redfish Barger, 1992, Alabama national champion and offensive lineman. William, how are you doing this evening? Doing great, Drew. How about you, buddy? Doing good, bud. Thanks for joining us. And heck, man, it's never boring. Uh, now we've uh, 
you know, everybody's starting to report all the newcomers, and there's uh, a few that have not, and so people start wringing their hands a little bit. Uh, there's There were some reports last night that there's some academic concerns with a couple of uh, – with, with, with a couple of signees, especially along the defensive line, and that's uh, Jamar King from Mendocino, California, uh, the 26-year-old. It sounds like he's got to go back to summer school, William, and, and uh, finish a class or two, but he, he'll probably be there in August. Very strong likelihood from what I was told. And then, and then, but then they got the interesting saga of Kendall Hulk Jones. He's had to switch high schools to continue to gain eligibility but he's also had a hard time dealing with the departure of Bo Davis. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, first of all, I'll start with uh, Kendall Jones. I mean, I think when you look at it, um, you know, I would ask the Alabama fans that are listening to the show tonight to, uh, you know, put it into the perspective of watching the Clemson game, the national championship game. And, you know, you watch, you know, two guys that – probably should have been first-round draft picks, but, you know, filtered off into the second. And Ashawn Robinson and Jaron Reed, who were, you know, while they were in college, they were, you know, despite how athletic they were, they were more, you know, two-gap guys that, that plugged holes versus the run. And, you know, they were much, much more dynamic athletes than Kendall Jones will ever be. Um, you know, he's a guy that's you know, six five. You know, flirted with the, the four hundred pound range um, in high school. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me, Drew, of of the you know the former uh, offensive tackle from Memphis, Brandon Hill. Um, you know, if you've got a guy that's you know not even in Tuscaloosa yet, and you know he's got grade problems, he's got weight problems. Um, you know, that to me equates to an attitude problem. And, you know, you're in the, the college football phase of playing offensive teams that are, you know, hurry up, no huddle, spread attacks. What do you really need a Kendall Jones for? Um, you know, if he makes it, that's great. If he doesn't, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, I, I think Alabama needs more. Dalvin Tomlinson's, more Deshaun Hands, more, you know, Ryan Anderson's, more Tim William types for what's going on in college football. Um, you know, I think a lot of people fell in love with, uh, you know, the Hulk aspect of, of Kendall Jones, you know, being this, you know, imposing physical force. Um, you know, I saw that play out two years ago when, um, you know, a lot of Alabama fans thought that the, uh, you know, five-star nose guard from Kentucky, Matt Elam, um, you know, needed to be a part of, the, of the, that recruiting class. And, you know, go ahead and look and see what that guy's done for Kentucky football for two years. You know, I just don't see that being a do-or-die situation um, for this program at this point in time. Um, you know, if you want to switch over to, you know, Jamar King, um, you know, the thing that jumps off the page to me, he's 26 years old. Um, he's struggling to, you know, get qualified, you know, coming out of junior college. Um, you know, is that somebody that could ever um, absorb the Alabama defensive playbook? You know, my first response would be no. So, you know, for all the hand-wringing that's going on about these two guys right now, 
I just don't see why. Um, I don't think either one of them are um, very significant in this recruiting class. Uh, you know, talking about the 2016 recruiting class that's reporting to campus right now. And in your mind, I, I guess the reason may, uh, many people are wringing their hands is because of of uh, what they perceive as a lack of depth along the defensive line. But I can tell you this. I've, I've seen some people taking shots at Dakota Ball, and I don't know how he's going to play his senior year, William, but I've heard it come out of Nick Saban's mouth that he's a, he's in the he was in the two deep following spring practice. Now, that may mean, uh, that, uh, again, they don't have the quality of depth they, they, uh, they had last year, and that's really what that does tell you. But who – I mean, that was the deepest defensive line I've ever seen – but what are you? What are your thoughts on the, the starting group is going to be elite? But do you think they've got enough depth right now? Well, I don't know Nick Saban, and I don't talk to Nick Saban. But there's somebody down there on that campus uh, that I do know and I do talk to, and that particular person thinks that he's got a chance. I'm talking about Dakota Ball um of maybe being, you know, the X factor on that defensive line this year, kind of in the same mode that Nick Gentry was in two thousand and twelve. Um, and, you know, that's kind of putting a little bit of pressure on Dakota Ball. Um yeah. that, that really hasn't, you know, lived up to his his recruiting billing and you know, and I don't think that's necessarily fair because, you know, the coaching staff is you know, bounced him around from, you know, tight end to D-line, D-line back to tight end, and, you know, looking back on it now, you know, back to D-line. Um, but, you know, if if there's some guys that are down there making the amount of money that they're making as coaches that think he might have a chance to, um, you know, play that role, um, you know, let's sit back and watch it play out. Um, you know, You know, of course, you know, if Kendall Jones doesn't get into school and, Jamar King doesn't get into school. You know, certainly it hurts Alabama from the standpoint of, of D-line depth, but um, I think they've got plenty of front-line guys that could negate that. And, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't get into, uh, you know, the situation that you saw, you know, CBS and ESPN, you know, harp on um, all of the 2015 season about how Alabama was, you know, eight, nine, ten deep on the defensive line. But, you know, they're front-line guys that are maybe, uh, you know, four to six, seven guys deep. It's still going to be very talented. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's no question about that. Uh, it's still going to be a really good group. And, uh, and, and I think they're still going to have a really good pass rush, first of all. And, and, and another one, that, uh, a guy they're really not talking about, but I think by in another two to three months, he may have his hand in the dirt full time. And even if he doesn't, the way they're going to play him like Courtney Upshaw, he's going to basically be a DN, and that's Anthony Jennings, who uh, had a very good spring and you and I are both high on. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think when you look at it, you know, the, the core guys that they're going into this season with, um, you know, if you look at what Alabama did last year with the 56 sacks, um, you know, that's with, you know, Sean Robinson, Jaron Reed, um, you know, Ryan Anderson, Tim Williams, Rashawn Evans, you know, those were the, the core guys. Um, you know, you take Sean and Jaron Reed out of the equation, they've still got a core group coming back 
with Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, John Allen, Deshaun Hand that, that, that contributed 36 sacks of those 56 last year. And those guys are coming back. And, you know, some of those guys they're counting on, you know, becoming more three-down type players versus, you know, pass rush specialists. Um, and, you know, the guy that you mentioned, Anthony Jennings, had a great spring. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think's you know, kind of the, the next in line, um, you know, with this group. And, you know, there's some other guys over there behind him um, that might join him um, once we get into August. You know, a guy like, you know, the Hall kid from Washington, D.C., uh, you know, maybe Christian Bell from Hoover, you know, gets his weight up a little bit. Uh, but, you know, there's plenty of options. Um, you know, Jeremy Pruitt feels very, very comfortable and confident with what he's got um, along the defensive line, the linebackers, and, of course, that ultra-talented secondary where he feels like he can produce an elite defense um, for the 2016 season. And then, of course, uh, there was a report yesterday that Ravion Hostin, um, uh, he, uh, of course, it was a junior college player from California that uh, he that he might uh, end up in this class at Alabama. But uh, I think they kind of jumped the gun on that as well. And uh, he, today, after saying that he was at Los Angeles Valley College, after repeating that uh, he was looking at Nebraska, USD, and West Virginia and had spoken to uh, Jody Wright and then to Nick Saban, the offer never came, and the kid went to North Texas. I know you you thought his film was pretty decent, but overall, I just sort of felt like uh, this late in the game, it's going to be tough to find someone that's going to help you for this year. They did not take the young guy from Utah, and I wasn't surprised by that. If you get Jamar King eligible, and I think they will, and uh, coming in to try to provide a little bit of depth, and even if Hulk Jones doesn't show up, you've got Raekwon Davis, and I'm really high on Quinn and Williams, as I know you are. You just – uh, you just mentioned uh, Terrell Hall. I think they're going to have enough guys coming in from this class that could help them situationally. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, when, when you when you start talking about, um, you know, losing a guy like Kendall Jones, you know, that was a, a prototypical, you know, run stuffer. And you have to look at, you know, where are you going to go from there? Well, where you go and you look for is a guy like Deron Payne. Um, you know, he's somebody that can play, the, you know, the nose guard spot. He can play the three technique. You know, you can slide him out to, you know, the five technique. Um, you know, he's a guy that can occupy, you know, two blockers. Um, you know, he was instrumental in Alabama winning the game against Georgia. Uh, but where I really was, you know, the most proud for him, um, you know, you know, people look at that LSU game and, and you know, they say, you know, um, you know, you derailed uh, Leonard Fournette's Heisman Trophy candidate. And then, of course, you piggyback on top of that, that's kind of when Derrick Henry became the front runner. Um, you know, go back and watch that LSU-Alabama game. Um, not only did the Alabama defense, you know, derail uh, Leonard Fournette's Heisman Trophy candidate, they derailed uh, – uh, their LSU center, Ethan Posick's Remington campaign, and a true freshman named Deron Payne did that all by himself. Uh, blew Ethan Posick all the way back into the backfield all night long. 
Um, didn't give, you know, Leonard Fournette very many directions to run to. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I think is a superstar um, for Alabama. And, and don't get me wrong, having some guys, you know, maybe like Josh Frazier or O.J. Smith that could become more of a, a nose guard guy that can occupy two blockers um, would certainly be a luxury for Jeremy Pruitt in 2016 and allow some flexibility to put Deron Payne out there um, at defensive end. But, you know, regardless of what happens, they've got, like you said, Drew, plenty of options for the defensive line. They do, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see that all play out in fall camp. And I guess uh, I had a question uh, as we started this podcast about Carl Dunbar, early impressions. Well, it's hard to say because no one's seen him work yet. Uh, you'll, I know you have excellent sources. We'll start hearing things when the OLDL camp in a couple of weeks uh, cranks up. But speaking of that, the first camp of the year, I believe, is this weekend, William, for Alabama to start bringing prospects in. Uh, your thoughts on uh, just uh, the, the, the camp season is always important uh, for them to get guys uh, down there to, to uh, evaluate in person and to kind of start building the next class. And uh, it's hard to believe it's already here, but – uh, June's upon us. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, in a perfect world, um, you know, I would love to have maybe seen, you know, the Bo Davis situation play out back in February before spring practice. It didn't. Um, you know, so we don't have that to, uh, you know, rest our laurels on. But that being said, you know, I think if you look at Carl Dunbar's, you know, resume and what he's done um, in the last 20 years, and that's, you know, be a guy that's, you know, been in the NFL, um, been very successful, um, coached a lot of great NFL defensive linemen. Um, I'm very excited about, um, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, hey, this, you know, this guy hasn't really recruited. But if you dig a little bit deeper into – who he is, um, you know, he spent a lot of time as a undercover narc, um, as a DEA, you know, agent, um, you know, played in the NFL, coached in the NFL. Those are the kind of things that, that kids pay attention to, um, you know, that command respect. And, uh, you know, I think that was a, a very solid coaching hire by Nick Saban. Um, you know, I, me personally, I would have loved to have seen it play out prior to spring practice, so we, you know, could have kind of seen it, you know, then, but it didn't. So, you know, we're going to have to let it go into August and to see how it plays out there. But, you know, again, anybody that doubts, um, you know, what goes on in that football building in Tuscaloosa, um, you know, Nick Saban's on top of it, and I think. Uh, Carl Dunbar is going to prove to be an, an asset very, very quickly in Tuscaloosa. You know, Fish, one of the things that came around for the uh, SEC meetings this week is potential NCAA issues stemming from the uh, Bo Davis situation. Do you see uh, some call it a Joker Phillips parallel, like the, like what happened to him at what happened to Phillips at Florida with Bo Davis, or do you see Alabama, you know, having some kind of issue going forward? No, Thomas, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it was. Um, you know, quote, unquote, 
right there with the Joker Phillips deal. Um, Alabama got in front of that deal and, you know, unfortunately had to fire Bo Davis, you know, and I hate to even have to talk about that because, um, you know, when Bo came to Alabama with Nick in 2007, um, I felt like he was, you know, a newbie, um, you know, had not ever been a a full-time, you know, coach. Um, you know, coming into the deal and, you know, left, went to Texas, uh, came back a totally different guy. Um, You know, those defensive linemen, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, Alabama in the last two or three years since he's been back, they loved him. They played hard for him. And, uh, you know, I hated to see the the way that all worked out, but it did. And, uh, you know, everybody has to kind of regroup and move on. But, uh, you know, I, I like the Carl Dunbar hire. Um, when, when you look at what he's done in his, in his career, um, you know, from Louisiana, coached in Louisiana, uh, spent time as a, uh undercover narc in Louisiana. You know, those are the kind of things that if you're a high school senior, and you're looking for somebody to, you know, kind of latch on to, uh, you know, those things command respect. Uh, you know, the guy's got street cred. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to play dividends for Alabama going forward. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how much so. And, William, uh, I know it's been uh, talked about ad nauseum since yesterday, but, Coach Saban had some poignant comments at the SEC media days, uh, uh, or excuse me, at the Destin Spring meetings, pardon me, about satellite camps. We've always known that he, he wasn't in favor of those. I'm not either. I'm tired of hearing about him already. But And then about the being a commissioner for college football. And, and uh, during after those comments, Jim Harbaugh had a uh, snarky uh, little uh, tweet that he put out about, uh, you know, Coach Saban lecturing others. Uh, but had to, you know, had a coach that uh, broke NCAA rules, and it's amazing that he was uh, basically lecturing other coaches on what needs to be done. But Harbaugh, I'm not ever, I'm never going to question his coaching acumen. I think he's a great coach, but I think he's someone that, for lack of a better vernacular, he just doesn't, he doesn't know when to shut up. Well, you know, Drew, I'll kind of take it to a different level than that. Um, you know. When Jim becomes the best head coach in his own family, um, I'll start paying attention to him, number one. Number Great two, um, because I've, I've always said this. You know, people ask me all the time, um, you know, Nick Saban drops dead tomorrow or walks away from Alabama. Who, who are your, you know, top five guys to replace him? Uh, Jim Harbaugh's never been on my list. Now, his brother John has always been on the top of my list. Um, yeah. So, you know, when, when when Jim Harbaugh becomes the the top head coach in his own family, uh, becomes the top head coach in his own conference, uh, then I'll start paying him attention. But this, to me, looks like a uh, media grab. Uh, you know, I'm going to flame, you know, Nick Saban. He's the top head coach in college football. Um, I, you know, I don't understand that. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed 
uh, you know, and Jim Harbaugh because uh, when I was being recruited and, and was going up to the University of Michigan, he was involved, uh, you know, in the recruiting process. Uh, but, you know, Nick Saban doesn't care. Um, you know, he does what he does. Um, you know, people react to it. Um, you know, you've got somebody up there in the Big Ten um, that, that's reacting and I think looking for, um, you know, publicity, um, you know, from that standpoint. Um, you know, I think the one thing that, that I would look at if I was an Alabama fan, because I know, you know, most people hate him, um, you haven't seen Urban Meyer pile on into, you know, the, the Jim Harbaugh Twitter stuff. Um, and, and I would say that, you know, you know, good for Urban. Um, you know, he's learned his lesson. He, he's already been beat down by the master and uh, doesn't want to get into that. Well, Fish, I, I hate to say it, and this, this, is gonna, this, is, this is the exact same tongue-in-cheek in the, my reaction was, as he was tweeting this, he was hiring someone else out of Paramus Catholic. But you know, that's neither here nor there to the conversation. Thomas, you're, you're uh, wise beyond <laughs> your years. I mean, Great point, Tito. I, I, you know, that that was my thing. I, I can't, I can't get bent out of shape about it. You know, that's that's the way the game's played. But I, I, I'm not sure we should beat satellite camps to death, but. It's uh, it's a Pandora's box, and I think the AAU basketball comparisons are fairly apropos. And that's what Coach Saban was talking about, the third party. Yeah, I mean, that that's bad. And with how different, you know, I, I've said this on my other show, uh, Alabama Scheme Team with Murph Baldwin a couple of times. What happens when Saban takes it to the nth degree, the, uh, recruiting, uh, the recruiting staff explodes, and he's having a camp. You know, he he starts doing stuff like getting an getting an using an office space to have kids bring in their film the huh. day after to go over film with these kids, and you just Skype a coach in because that's easy. Like from a technical standpoint, that's a joke. I could do that on my computer at home, let alone anything you know enterprise level. So I think it's a terrible Pandora's box, and eventually all the all this kicking all these uh, these beehives that Jim Harbaugh is doing is going to come out and have a swarm of very angry bees making the NCAA um, go a little crazy, but neither here nor there. (laughs) uh, And and again, a great observation, Thomas. And to close this conversation with William tonight, we want to thank him for joining us on BAMS radio. I I know uh, he, he, again, he has tremendous sources and the red elephant club speakers have uh, the coaches, the coaching staff is hitting the road this week, speaking to many, a different group. And I know uh, William, uh, you had some insight into, Brent Key, the uh, of course back in his uh, home area, speaking in Birmingham last night, and I know he he uh, he, uh, he 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 he. There was some uh, nuggets of info from that. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know I think uh, you know this is a great time of the year for you know information to be exchanged. You know Brent Key was here last night. Um, you know obviously uh, you know Pruitt's going to you know talk to. Uh, you know, the Tuscaloosa group Thursday. Is Kiffin going to be there up there in Huntsville, Drew, on Thursday? Yeah. Too? Well, I'll get a chance to hear him tomorrow. Yep. Okay. The lane train um, coming to Huntsville. Good. I love I love hearing about the lane train coming to Huntsville. <laughs> um, 
but you know, at the same time, you got to understand. I mean, you know, these guys, you know, go into this deal and they they've been coached. You know, we can't. You know, the first thing that Brent Key said last night is, you know, don't ask me any questions about, you know, the guy that may or may not be our starting left tackle. Uh, you know, against USC. You know, obviously, you understand what he's protecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said. Um, you know, he, he talked about, you know, how, uh, you know, the most physical player um, that they've got on the offensive line is Lester Cotton. Um, you know, how good of a guy uh, as a true freshman Jonah Williams is. Uh, you know, how physical a guy that can play four of the five offensive line spots, um, you, know, at, at, you know, and Bradley Bozeman. Um, you know, those all get talked about. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that that's one of the great things is, um, you know, you've got these coaches that are coming to talk to different groups. And, uh, you know, you have to listen to them and, and, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, but, you know, again, guys, uh, we're talking about Nick Saban at Alabama. And, you know, how good is it to be, you know, we posted a graphic on the uh, the Facebook page today, um, kind of detailed the last 20 years of all the schools um, that had made an appearance in the, the top 20 of the top football teams in college football. And, you know, Alabama kind of came in in the latter part, actually, I think like 14th or 15th. But the top spot, if you average it into, was I think they were like 7.81 or something like that, which, of course, you know, that kind of factored into the Nick Saban era. And, you know, people wanted to say, well, you know, how bad was Alabama before Nick Saban came there? And, you know, we were all like really, really bad. (laughs) Um, Exactly. So, you know, that's where we're at. Yeah, it really is. And and another thing, William, I know that uh, you, you gleaned from that conversation, and this is not uh, really shocking at all, but that uh, they're really happy that, with uh, the way uh, Damian Harris finished the spring and, of course, with Bo. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this is something I think Alabama fans needs to worry about. Not not worry about, but look at. Um, you know, Bo Scarborough is a freak. You know, he's a genetic freak. I mean, he's a guy that could, you know, blow up and win the Heisman Trophy in the next two years. But, you know, a guy that was a five-star prospect in Damian Harris, you know, kind of got in there and, you know, got bigger, faster, and stronger and and did a great job in the spring. Um, You know, don't be surprised if, you know, when you tune into the TV, uh, you know, in, in September for Alabama versus USC, and if, if you don't see Damian Harris take the first snap, doesn't mean that Bo Scarborough is a bum and, you know, all this other stuff. But, you know, Damian Harris has taken the bull by the horns and has developed himself, has worked hard, and, you know, he's a guy that could, could really play a big role in Alabama's offense in 2016. He really could. And then 
finally, I know he's uh, very excited uh, about the, the the chance of, or what they can do with Scott Lashley. And his guy, and he's he, he was uh, instrumental in uh, Ross Pierce Baker moving, and I uh, felt like that went as well as everybody had heard. You talking about Brent Key? Yeah, I know. I know he was very pleased with Ross, and and I know they were really high on Scott Lashley's potential. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that I think Brent Key was, uh, you know, very emphatic about last night was. Um, you know, the move of Ross Pierce-Bacher to center, um, you know, and people have to understand, you know, this is a kid that, you know, played left guard last year on a national championship team, uh, moved to center in the spring, um, which was a totally new position for him. He had never played that spot before and, and did a great job. Um, you know, and, and I think that's the most important thing for Alabama going forward is, you know, you lose a Ryan Kelly, um, you know, going back before him, you lose a Barrett Jones. Um, you know, you, you, you get a guy there that can make all the calls, uh, you know, that can orchestrate the offensive line. You know, they got Pierce Bocker there. Um, you know, they got a guy like, you know, Lester Cotton that's at left guard that can maul people. Um, then you factor in, you know, Jonah Williams, the true freshman, um, who's probably going to start at right guard this year. And, you know, if things work out to the positive for uh, Cameron Robinson at left tackle, you know, Alabama on the offensive line, it's going to be business as usual, guys. Oh, it really will. And as you said, yeah, Jonah could end up at right tackle and then, Hopefully Shank Taylor can get his job back at right guard. But, William, we always appreciate the time, my friend, and uh, it's been an uh, excellent segment as always. We're coming to an end of hour number one. Uh, we look forward to, you know, speaking with you next week. Thank you for joining us on BAMS, and, again, have a great rest of your evening. Thank you, Derek. That's William Barger, everybody. And uh, Thomas Watts and I have come to an end of hour number one. We are going to take a, our little uh, sabbatical here for a few minutes, and we'll be back. And uh, we'll be playing some audio, some very interesting observations about this baseball search uh, from uh, Jimmy Stein, great friend of the show as well, LJS Law.
sealed off and it don't think anybody's gonna miss me anyway Mind on a permanent vacation The ocean is my only medication Wishing my condition ain't ever gonna go away Cause now I'm deep, deep in the water somewhere Got the blue sky breeze blowing wind through my hair Only worry in the world is the tide gonna reach my chair Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky Never been so happy, never felt so high And I think I might have found me my own kind of paradise This champagne shore washing over me It's a sweet, sweet life Living by the salty sea One day you can be as lost as me Change your geography Maybe you might be Somewhere got the blue sky breeze blowing wind through my hair. Only worry in the world is the tide gonna reach my chair. Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky. Never been so happy, never felt so high. And I think I might have found me my own kind of paradise. Come on in the waters, nice, find yourself a little slice. Grab a backpack and lunch, you never know until you try. When you lose yourself. You find the key to paradise Welcome back to BAMS Radio, start of hour number two. Drew, I have to say I was inspired to play that song because I definitely spent the majority of this past weekend on a boat, cruising around, doing all manner of things. But... (laughs) Plenty more to talk about on BAMS Radio for the next hour. We're going to have a little bit of audio from Jimmy Stein, and we'll be joined by uh, Roger Myers to talk a little more baseball. But, Drew, I want to harken back real quick to uh, Redfish's conversation and play it forward just a little bit. I had a long conversation with uh, Murph Baldwin, good friend of the show, on uh, the Alabama Scheme team this week. And uh, with Fish saying what he's saying about the Alabama offensive line and me being a film rat that just loves to watch football and not liking the fact that there is no football on right now, I started to tinker around with the USC depth chart and whatnot. And do you realize that the group that Alabama's offensive line will be facing in September will be almost all new and almost all underclassmen? Oh, yes, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, I've, I knew that they had lost a lot of talent on the D-line, and it'll be a young group. Uh, Alabama, you know, is likely going to have uh, maybe five starters uh, in different positions if Shank Taylor doesn't make it back, but at least four right. uh, if he does and, and if Cam Robinson's not in the lineup. So, without a doubt. Uh, so, that that might kind of cancel itself out. Uh, but I still think uh, – when you when you hear William talk about the talent, like Lester Cotton, right? He may not have played, but he's an elite talent. Uh, Jonah Williams, we all know how good he is. Ross Pierce Baker as a left guard last year, now transitioning to center, but he's an elite talent. Was a five star uh, or a high four star recruit and whatnot. So they're all ballyhooed. And then Shank Taylor played a good football last year, and I expect him to come in as a senior and get his job back. So you know, I, I think 
Alabama still got a chance to have a really good O-line. and Still optimistic about the return of Cam Robb, but he may not be in the lineup for that game. But So we'll just have to see, you know, where that goes. And, uh, you know, just so Jonah Williams could be on the left side, we could see Corin Curvin uh, at right tackle. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out, uh, no Certainly. doubt about it. I, and I realize that the game's still three months away. This was just me tinkering and starting to uh, starting to build a profile of Alabama's first team. A uh, couple of things, a little housekeeping. want to give a quick shout-out. Uh, play like a champion. I see you in chat, and welcome. It's glad, to, glad to hear from you again. And uh, we are going to be playing some audio from Jimmy Stein, but there will be some time if you want to talk to Drew or myself. Carrie will be back in a little while as well. You, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 714-510-3707. You can even get to talk to me in the screening room because I'm doing double or triple duty, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, just uh, taking on a myriad of roles. But, yeah, in just a minute or two, we're going to hear from Jimmy Stein. And uh, it, and, uh, and uh, we've, uh, we're going to hear from Roger Myers in the second half of this hour, uh, maybe closer to 830 because we wanted to give let everybody hear Jimmy Stein's comments because uh, Jimmy – uh, is a you know he he's a, what I call a super fan. I mean he's a lawyer in uh, Mobile, but he's very close to the Alabama uh, situation as far as he follows all the programs. And if you want to know something about Mobile area athletics, whether it be college or high school, Jimmy is the one to ask because he uh, has a lot of uh, ear. He, uh, you know he he sees a lot of games, has his ears to the ground, and uh, is pretty much on top of that situation. And I think everyone will enjoy that conversation. Absolutely. Well, why don't you go ahead and intro it, and uh, we'll get it going. And if uh, somebody calls in and they they want to get in on it, we'll, we'll we'll give them a little time. How's that sound? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. And again, uh, Jimmy Stein is a great friend of this show, along with Luke Robinson. They have a daily podcast called Talking Tuscaloosa, uh, that the, where they talk Crimson Tide sports. And we've been fortunate that he's joined us in the past, and he's also joined me on Talking Ball and. Uh, once this Alabama coaching change happened and I started thinking that Mark Calvey of South Alabama might be on the short list as to be the new baseball coach at, at, for the Crimson Tide, who better to have on Talking Ball this week, live from Destin, Florida, as I'm sure uh, he was people watching dur- during uh, the SEC spring meetings and also vacationing. But Jimmy Stein joined me on Talking Ball uh, this past Tuesday. Jimmy, how is Destin? Destin is very nice as always. It's, it's a bit warm. It's a bit warm, but it's, it's great. How are you people watching, sir? Uh, a little, a little bit. We just just got here this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Quite a, few, quite a few interesting people in town to watch, though. Yeah. Uh, the SEC spring meetings will be in Destin this week, and 97.7 The Zone will be there with Wes Neighbors and Steve Moulton later on. Uh, very, it should be uh, entertaining, to say the least, Jimmy. But uh, we wanted to come on and talk to you because you have a very interesting perspective being in Mobile. And uh, with this Alabama baseball coaching search now uh, four days under underway, I guess, first of all, uh, you follow all Alabama athletics. We all know that. Uh, were you surprised at all about this outcome? Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, I, I, I think we all knew with uh, Coach Gasper's contract, uh, it wasn't necessarily terminating. It was just it would just run out. Right. Uh, for Coach Gasper to be back, he would have to be signed to a new deal. I, th- I think considering uh, the entire situation, that just seemed unlikely. It obviously seemed unlikely even from his perspective. Uh, it was you know didn't make the tournament, and, and uh, uh, no, I just wasn't surprised at all. I think we all kind of knew this was coming. 
and your thoughts before we delve into what could be the future uh, of his tenure in Tuscaloosa. Well, you know, it's sort of sort of mixed results. You know, one thing we always have to remember is the SEC is just a brutal baseball league. Brutal. It is. I've, I've seen several comments about uh, how disappointing how disappointing it is to finish with a 500 record. <laughs> a 500 record in the SEC gets you in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. most seasons. Alabama just didn't have the RPI because of too many midweek losses and, and not enough non-conference success this season. But a 500 record is uh, is good in this league. It's not going to win you the league. And if the expectations are, hey, we just built a $43 million baseball stadium, we expect to win the league. I, I, I think that's fair. But uh, but a 500 record is is good in the SEC. And and uh, and Mitch was was around the 500 mark uh, most most uh, for all of the seven seasons. So I, I think there was some. Some good, some not so good, but in the end, when when you want to be nationally competitive, when you want to do things like win the SEC, uh, then then it's time to upgrade across the board. Uh, but but obviously, when you're making that sort of investment in facilities, then there needs to be an investment uh, commensurate with that with the, with the coaching staff. And then uh, now the transition to the search. Uh, you being a Mobile native, uh, you know the sports scene down there very well. Uh, I've had a guest on my radio program the last month uh, at plus. Uh, Matthew Stevens of the Montgomery Advertiser, a very sharp uh, young guy uh, covering the Auburn beat, but he's uh, he's a baseball guy too. Pays very close attention to the sport uh, as he covers it, uh, and, and 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 it does a great job of uh, identifying uh, the behind the scenes guys, the assistant coaches, and uh, other kind of under the radar head coaches that he thinks are rising stars and. He told me a couple of years ago he was covering Mississippi State and he got to know Butch Thompson and observe him a, a lot and and he identified him as someone he felt like within a couple of years would would get a head coaching opportunity in the SEC. Well, we saw that come to fruition with Auburn. Had a rough first year, but took it over in uh, extenuating circumstances. I think everyone believes Butch will have a chance to turn Auburn around. But another one that he identified to me this year on this on this very show. Uh, was Mark Calvey because he saw South Alabama take Auburn apart. He said they were as fundamentally sound as any team he had seen, and he felt felt like at that time uh, that he was the next one within a couple of years that could be uh, a head baseball coach in the SEC. What are, what are your thoughts on Calvey and, and what he's done now making two regionals in a short period of time at South Alabama? He's a he's a really solid coach. I like how how uh, Matthew described him as very fundamentally sound. This is a team uh, at South, uh, you know, under Coach Calvey's direction. They play very hard. That's a hard playing bunch. I mean, they're they're that's a hustling group right there. They play defense. They'll run. Uh, real real kind of a scrappy team. Uh, coach Calvey was a pitching coach for South Carolina on two. Uh, World Series teams of South Carolina before he came to South, so he sort of builds this program around pitching, which which is which is the way you have to do it. And, uh, and his teams play hard. I, I think Mark Calvey would be a, a, a really good hire uh, at Alabama because he knows the league and he's proven he can win. Uh, South Alabama has one. They're in, they're in a regional uh, in the Florida State regional this week. Uh, you know they, they got off to a 15 and 0 start in the Sun Belt. Uh, he, he's recruited the state, obviously, at South, so he knows that. It would, it would just be a real solid hire that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm not going to be surprised at all if Mark Calvey is, is on the very short list of candidates. Uh, and, and also particularly impressive is, is South's success, despite not having the facilities that an SEC team has. I mean, 
it's just a lot easier to recruit to an Alabama, to an Ole Miss, to a Mississippi State than it is South Alabama, uh, which just doesn't have the, the budget or, or facilities commitment that the SEC schools have. And you make up a you bring up a great point about their budget, but I wanted to ask about their facility. I know. Uh, they, it is still relatively new, and they were already planning on doing some improvements. But when you compare it to what Alabama has now and what you see in the SEC, how are their facilities, Jimmy? Uh, I mean, there, there's just – first of all, South, uh, it is a great program. I mean, the history of South Alabama baseball, people all over the state that don't really follow the Jacks, I think will be stunned to learn how, how much South has won over the years going all the way back to Coach uh, Eddie Stanky. And then Steve Kittrell, they've just been extremely successful, particularly based on you know being in the Sun Belt and not having an SEC stadium. But uh, South's facilities uh, do, do not compare at all with Alabama's. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. They do have a, a, a pretty nice indoor hitting facility that's uh, named after a uh, uh, famous Arizona Diamondback, uh, Luis, Luis Gonzalez. Mm. Uh, yeah, he... he uh, he made a donation to South, and, and, and they built an indoor facility that's named after after Gonzalez, and, and it's nice, uh, but but the facilities don't don't compare to, to Alabama's uh, brand new facilities or, or any facilities around the league. It's just it's just a matter of money and conference and competition, and everything like that, which is all the more reason to be impressed with what uh, Mark Calvey has done. He didn't exactly inherit uh, a, a vintage Jag team either. There, there was some rebuilding. That had to be done, uh, and, and then rebuilt in his in his likeness. So uh, he, he's done really well. Uh, they faltered down the stretch a little bit. They got off to a really hot start, and, and were playing as well as, as anybody uh, until about the last three weeks of the season. They sort of uh, hit the skids a little bit, and, and not playing in the SEC, they don't have a built-in RPI advantage that SEC teams have, where every weekend you're playing another highly ranked team. Uh, that really bolsters your RPI uh, playing with Sunbelt. South doesn't have that luxury. So even though they could get off to a 15-0 and start in their conference, uh, they, they never really had a super high RPI. And, Jimmy, uh, Hannah Stevens is with me, and she had a thought. You know, um, when you talk about Mark Harvey, what he's been able to do at South Alabama, you know, one thing that um, obviously um, you've talked about but I'd like you to emphasize on is his ability to um, be a great pitching coach, which is something that Alabama needs to continue to be dominant at. So kind of talk about that and how he can use that role at Alabama if he became the head baseball coach. Well, pitching, uh, Hannah, as you know, uh, if you're not pitching, you're not winning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that simple. I know fans uh, love offense. They love to see balls sailing over the wall and scoring 10 runs, but, but you're just not going to do that every week. Not not in this league, not in the SEC where, you know, the SEC is going to produce several first-round picks uh, from, from the pitching staffs around the league. You, you've got to get people out. You've got to have the arms. And in a sport where you're limited to 11.7 scholarships, the reality is you're going to burn most of your scholarship money on the arms. Mm. Just fight. And, uh, and, and Coach Calvey, uh built the pitching staff at South Carolina uh, that, that, that got to Omaha, you know, two years in a row and did really well. And uh, South's pitching staff is very good. Uh, they had a starter, their Friday starter, a kid named Kevin Hill, uh, was one of the best uh, pitchers in the country. I think they went to Athens early this year, and Kevin Hill held uh, Georgia to one run and four hits and nine innings. I mean, he's, he's a real good player, uh, obviously. That's where it all starts in college baseball is with your pitching staff, and and uh, and Coach Calvey certainly uh, emphasizes that, and and that's what would uh, what would make him uh, 
an attractive candidate, not just at Alabama, but really anywhere in the SEC because of his extensive experience in the league and recruiting himself. And, Jimmy, uh, I think it's also significant that he now knows the state of Alabama and knows the some of the limitations that you have, and he can kind of hit the ground running and know what he was up against, but also have now the resources and the backing and the finances of an SEC program. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, by the way, uh, South's two or three best players are, are from Alabama. Kevin Hill is not. But uh, they, they have uh, some regulars in the lineup that are from Alabama and places Alabama tr- the University of Alabama traditionally recruits well, and you know it's just—it doesn't matter. What matters is the talent. It shouldn't really matter where it comes from. But just personally, I, I would like to see a, a re-emphasis uh, on in-state players. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's frustrating to me personally to watch Alabama play SEC teams that have starters, quality kids starting for other teams that are from Alabama. And uh, if they choose to be somewhere else, that's fine. But you'd at least like to know that, that Alabama prioritizes the in-state talent and, and do everything we can to, to keep uh, Alabama kids at home. The, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame is littered with legends born that, that grew up playing baseball in Alabama. It's a, it's a great state for baseball talent from, from Huntsville has uh, outstanding talent. Uh, the Mobile area does, and, and certainly all over, in every, every small town in Alabama. So uh, I, I like to see the new guy, you know, if whoever it is, emphasize that. And, and uh, Coach Calvey did sign several instant kids at himself. You know, and um, another point that we brought up earlier in the show, um, we um, had a conversation and was talking about how one of the issues that uh, Midge Gaspar thought Alabama had in their recruiting ability was the lack of lottery. Obviously, that hurts um, with the ability to have scholarships. Um, obviously, when you look um, at Calvi, he did coach South Carolina, which is a state that does have the lottery. Um, so he is used to that, and he's also used to that type of recruiting. So talk about his ability, how his ability to recruit um, could also benefit Alabama coming from an, a state that has had the ability to use the lottery in their favor. Okay, it, it really is an issue. Uh, the, the way the way I look at the lottery scholarship situation is, it, it's a handicap at Alabama. There, there, there's just no, no doubt about that. Alabama and Auburn are handicapped when it comes to that rule. Uh, it, it's the reality. Now, uh, to, to be uh, optimistic, which coaches have to be, uh, you'd like to offset that by the fact that we're in a talent-rich area. Uh, Alabama is going to produce more baseball talent than a lot of other places. Uh, so, you know, you hope that sort of going to offset it. But there's no question it's a bit of a handicap. It's just the reality that you have to deal with. And the baseball coach at Alabama is not going to change the fact that, uh, that other states benefit from uh, education lottery scholarships. Uh, we can't change it. You just have to deal with it. Uh, and it's a handicap. But can it be overcome? Of course it could be uh, overcome. We had tremendous success under, under Jim Wells. And we've had good teams at Alabama. And look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are national elite programs that are very, very good. They're both hosting regionals again this season. Uh, both could easily end up at Omaha at the same time in a non-lottery state. So it could be done. And I think Alabama, uh, Hannah, started, uh, uh, you know, solving that problem or going a long way towards it by building that beautiful stadium. Alabama now has a facility that can compete with any college baseball program in America. Uh, just based on uh, on the facilities in the stadium, so you'll just have to go the extra mile to make up for the handicap. And and Coach Calvi has experience and uh, on both sides of the coin, and uh, and that's exactly uh, exactly what 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 we need is someone that can 
overcome the handicap because it's going to be there no matter who you are. Well, Jimmy, and, uh, and then last couple of questions for you. Do you think Alabama, we, we talked to Travis Ryer about this, and he, he pointed out that of the regional hosts, five of the seven hired assistant coaches as their head coaches. Do you think Alabama needs a standing head coach, or do, could they go the assistant route? My gosh, that's going to be a candidate to candidate for me. I, I'm quite, you, you have to remember every successful head coach in all of the sports started somewhere as an assistant. They mm-hmm. all did. Uh, Nick Saban was, was an assistant before he was a head coach. Uh, so, you know, if you hire the right guy that's ready, uh, I, there, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone starts somewhere. Uh, and, and you can hire an experienced guy that, that just doesn't do well. Uh, uh, not that Coach Gasper didn't do well, but he had head coaching experience before yes. he came to Alabama. So, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's vital that you hire a guy with head coaching experience. You have to hire the right guy. But I, I think there's a comfort level with the guy who has done it before, who's had a lot of success before. And, and again, my, 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 my advice, if anyone would care, is I, I think we have to make a hire that's commensurate with the commitment to the stadium. Right. We, we obviously put a heck of a lot of money into that stadium, and it's beautiful. So I think there, there needs to be a really established, successful head coach that wants to coach a team in that stadium. And, you know, it's, so, that's, so I hope it's a national search among elite guys. However, I say that with, with the fact that there are two or three in-state candidates who are very attractive, from Coach Calvey to uh, to the, the coach at Alabama State. Melendez. Uh, to, yeah, to even Casey Dunn at, at Sanford. I, I think those are all interesting options, and, uh, and, and Alabama should consider all of them, while at the same time conducting a, a search nationally uh, you know, for an elite resume. And then finally, Jimmy, the last question. South Alabama, I think, is in one of the most intriguing regionals in Tallahassee. They are a three-seed, I think one of the more dangerous three-seeds. They take on two-seed Southern Miss, who they beat twice, 9-3 to three and 4-2 to two during the regular season. And then Florida State has been vulnerable in their park. What do you what do you take as their chances this weekend? They have a really good chance. They have some good starters. And whenever you have a dominant starter like a Kevin Hill, that gives you a chance against anybody. South can South can beat anybody in this country and, and, and one nine inning game because they have an arm that can do it. But it's a really tough read, like you said, Drew. Really tough region. And Alabama uh, State there too, by the way. Pardon me, I should have yeah, said that. Yeah, <laughs> real, really tough region. Maybe the toughest of all of them. So whoever's coming out of that region earned it. Whether it's Florida State winning at home or whether it's South Southern Miss or Alabama State, also a dangerous four seed with their uh, with their talent. So. Uh, Interesting that two of the uh, potential candidates to be uh, head coach at Alabama are both coaching in the same region. That's certainly interesting. Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, we always appreciate the time, sir. Enjoy the downtime in Destin and the people watching, and I know we'll be talking with you again soon, but thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Drew. And that was Jimmy Stein uh, from uh, Talking Tuscaloosa giving us a few minutes and uh, analyzing Mark Calvey. And I know Kerry Clark's back with us. Kerry, uh, some uh, really n- interesting insight, uh, as always, from Jimmy Stein. Yeah, I knew he would know, too. Uh, he lives down there in Mobile, and he knows all about the South program. And it's interesting that Mervyn Melendez is coming up from Alabama State. Uh, that's an intriguing situation there. He recruits a lot of Puerto Rican kids who know the game uh, better than the average American kid, to be quite frank. they got a baseball school in Puerto Rico. That's part of the reason for his success in Montgomery. And then you have people now that are talking about the um, 
coach at uh, East Carolina, Drew. Uh, Cliff as, Goodwin. As Cliff, Cliff, is it Goodwin or Godwin? Uh, but, let me, I'll, I'll look that up, but I know I've, I've, I've heard his name come up, yes. Gary. Coach Cliff. And then uh, I even saw someone today throw out the name of the uh, TCU coach. Yeah, so, Jim Slosnagel. He has got uh, an outstanding hitting coach and uh, and uh, pitching coach, and uh, uh, they, his assistants are really good. And I I've thought about him as well. But the only thing that I've heard is he's under contract through 2020 uh, and being paid pretty well. But you never know uh, because we ha- Alabama hasn't put their financial uh, package out there. Well, you know who put their financial package out there today, and I'm sorry if you covered this while I was gone, but Louisville and uh, Dan McDonald, yeah, extension yeah. of one million a year, so uh, not no longer a Bama candidate if he ever even was. Yeah, he's uh, not surprising there. I knew he would be very, very uh, hard to move, Kerry. And we've got our next guest uh, joining us now on the Asian Rim Hotline, and Drew, I'll let you introduce him. Absolutely, uh, we are honored uh, to be joined. Uh, by a, a good friend of ours. He's been on with us and talked some baseball uh, throughout the last few years. And uh, much like uh, Rick Penley, uh, he's very close to the program, uh, living uh, in the Tuscaloosa area. And uh, and, uh, and just uh, he, he has a passion for it and uh, has a lot of relationships with the, with the players and, and with the coaching staff and can see it from a different eye. But uh, we, uh, we really welcome on the Asian Rim hotline and are proud to have once again uh, Roger Myers joining us. Roger, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. How about you guys? Doing well. And I know for you, um, and I, and and you are a member of the Grand Slammers. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. I just wanted I wanted to make sure of that. But uh, you uh, and you have uh, you this had to be kind of bittersweet for you because in a way because you've you've been around Coach Gaspard. Uh, since he's been there as an assistant and took you know, had the best run in the history, I think, of the program in the late '90s, from '96 to '99, and and then you saw him get this opportunity as head coach. And if there's one thing I'll say, uh, I have been critical of the program in the last few years, but there's one thing I'll never I'll never do, and I'll never uh, talk about Coach Gaspar as a person. As far as he's a class person, uh, everyone in the college baseball community uh, loves him. Uh, he 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 was always great. Uh, to work with now that I've become a member of the media. He was a uh, first-class individual, just didn't win enough games overall. But everyone is kind of sad to see this come to an end for him. But just kind of talk about, first of all, the end uh, of the tenure for Coach Gaspard, and then uh, and then we'll kind of go into what could happen in the future. Okay. Yes, he, um, as you said, I mean, there's not a finer man in anywhere than, than Mitch Gaspard, and particularly in, in the baseball world. I mean, he's really well thought of, and, like you said, with the media, he's never ducked ducked issues or ducked questions. I mean, he's always been, you know, up forthright, up 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 front, and um, in everything that he was asked. And um, just, I think, eventually, it just, um, I think it, it just kind of wore him down there toward the end. And then a lot of these, like you said, you wouldn't ever say anything personally against him, but a lot of people. Um, Keyboard warriors um, kind of like to do that, and there was a lot of a lot of ugliness on message boards and and websites and blogs and stuff that that I think um, as much as anything he could handle, but you know he didn't like his wife and girls having to see that type thing, and I think I, I really think that might have been part of the reason that that he did this. Um, 
and the fighting the, the scholarship battles or lack of scholarship battle. You know, it's kind of go, like going into a gunfight with a knife, you know, when you're competing against Vanderbilt who can sign as many players as they want to and LSU and Georgia with the Hope Scholarships and some of the some of the issues that um, that Alabama and Auburn have to go up against that that the other schools don't have to. I mean, you're you know it's I mean as as gray as great as Nick Saban is and has been. If you took ten scholarships a year away from him, I mean he he wouldn't be playing with a with a even deck. So it makes it hard. You cannot can't afford to miss on any players uh, recruiting wise when when you have that limited of a number of scholarships to offer. And, you know, and there's always going to be misses, even even the best guys miss. But, heck, Corbin can just, you know, bring in whoever he wants to at Vanderbilt and um, get them there on financial aid or, or, you know, all kind of different different creative ways to get them, to get them there and to, to get extra money to help them out. And that Alabama does not does not have the uh, ability to do or doesn't do whether they have the ability to or not. I'm not 100% sure of. There would have to be some administrative changes made, you know, for them to be able to do some of the things that the other schools do that I don't think will be made. But, yeah, it was very bittersweet to see see Mitch Lee. I mean, I consider him a friend. He's a, you know, always, I was always welcome to, We'll go in his office and sit and talk baseball, or or stop by practice, or do you know any of that type thing. And he was always very welcoming and, and just a fine man. And um, I'm sure he will he'll do well wherever it is he ends up, whatever he ends up doing. I'm I'm sure there's there'll be some offers of some sort, whether it's coaching, scouting. Heck, I think he'd be great on TV. I mean, well spoken, good looking guy. You know, he would um maybe some SEC baseball games or something, but I, I don't have any clue that, you know, he would be interested in something like that, but I think he'd be very good at it. Roger, this is Kerry. Uh, hey, Kerry. You know, our private messages uh, yesterday on Twitter were, were sparked by me reading uh, pretty good sources like Cecil Hurt saying that Casey Dunn's name had emerged as one of the uh, candidates for the job. But, but and we've already covered on this program uh very, very in-depth, Mark Calvi's uh, good points. But I want to ask you, Roger, because you, you've run a business for many, many years, and, and you know how important it is to hire the right person. So, Roger, if you're Bill Battle right now, where do you go with this search? Uh, I, I don't rush into anything. I, um, you know, I study the landscape and, and interview as many or, or pare down the um, – the many names out there to to the ones most interested in and interview them and and go from there. Um, I know Calvi, his name has gotten a lot of a lot of juice right now. Um, and in Coach Powell has has mentioned that you know he would like head coaching experience, but you know it's not entirely necessary because Corbin McDonald, um, O'Sullivan. Um, let's see who else. There's several of the hottest coaches out there right now that they're at their first job. I mean, Florida, Louisville, Vanderbilt. I mean, that's some. You know, that's where you expire to be if you're a college baseball program. Where those guys are. 
And all three of those guys were were not head coaches when they got those jobs or have not been. So that's, you know, maybe a some factor, but not as much as as um, as it could be. Um, and I know he he would like somebody that that's familiar with the South and with with the state of Alabama and the and the way you have to recruit in the SEC. So you know that might eliminate some names like David Pearson to Lane, or even Todd Whiting from Houston, which Houston's his alma mater. So I don't think. You know that might not be a be a real a realistic one. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think I don't think you're going forward if you go with somebody like Casey Dunn. I think that's at best a lateral move, but you know it's not a step backwards. Um, nothing against Casey, but I mean he hasn't really proven proven a whole lot. Um, he's done you know a good job at Sanford, but I don't know that that's that's the the measuring stick. Um, you know, if you want to wait out the um, the regionals and the, and the World Series, I mean, heck, John Cohen's agent might deserve a call. I mean, once again, don't know that he don't think he'd leave his alma mater and place that he's taken to the World Series, but it would be coming home as far as being him, him being from Tuscaloosa and. You know, maybe maybe that would be a factor. I, I some very very long shot there. A lot of people. I, I don't know if y'all talked about, but I've had people mention Dave Maggot and well, no experience, yes. no recruiting experience, mm-hmm. no coaching, no head coaching experience. Um, you know, good hitting coach in the big leagues, or has had some success, has had some ups and downs. But he did all right at Texas. Did did well at Boston. Um, obviously, we got a got a very nice portion of the sex, uh, the stadium named after him. So um, the name recognition is there. Um, I, I had a conversation with somebody about getting a, a quote, quote, big name coach. And um, I think I was talking to Aaron Suttles, and, and he said, heck, you know, 95% of the, quote, baseball fans in, at Alabama wouldn't know a big coach's name if it hit him in the face. <laughs> you know, they uh, they just don't know enough about baseball. But the majority of the people around Tuscaloosa do know the name Dave Magadan. So that you know, I, I, that's that's another another long you know long shot. I don't know that he would, he would want to leave what he's doing. Um, well, but I did, I did Rod- see him at the alumni weekend, and he was. Mm. You know, very, very impressed with the facilities and very humbled and pleased with the with the section that you know named after his batting average. So he um, at least has has some good feelings about the program right now, which which is another thing that a uh, good thing Mitch had, had gotten going the last couple of years was reaching out to the former players in a much better way than had been done in the past. Um, there was some alienation with with some of the former former coaches and then first part of Mitch's tenure until he, he got it going and started reaching out to him. And then once he had the stadium to offer to show him, then that really, you know, it really helped. And having the, whether they were big leaguers or ex, ex-pro players or just guys that had gone off into the business world, there was 250 or so of them that came back for that weekend and just were blown away about by the, by the facilities. 
and and Roger, I know his name has also come up, but the one thing that uh, that I've heard is he doesn't do a lot of recruiting for them. But of course, Alan Dunn, the pitching coach at LSU, right. and uh, a former teammate of Dave Magadan's. Yeah, yes, he doesn't recruit at all, from what I understand. So that's uh, right, uh, or not off campus at recruiting anyway. Um, that he does not like. Apparently, doesn't like that. He likes teaching pitching, and he does a very good job of it. But you know, mm-hmm. and people have thrown the, the hitting coach down there. Ken, what's the Ken? Ken Canizero. Yeah, Canizero, right out there too. Um, a couple of names to throw in the mix. Um, guys that hadn't been head coaches, but Brad Bohannon down at Auburn that came from Kentucky, yes. which I would not be surprised if he didn't get the Kentucky job since Henderson's out. But Good he point. is. <laughs> He is um, he is highly highly thought of as a recruiter and, uh, and and an evaluator of talent and he's and he coached the hitters down there at Auburn this year and you guys saw how well those guys hit I mean they couldn't pitch or field but good lord they could hit mm-hmm. and then um, you know kind of a long shot name somebody that that left uh, Tuscaloosa a few years ago um, Kyle Bunn. Pitching coach yes. in Indiana now, and mm-hmm. be very, I think, ready for a head job. Um, gosh, he's been at Ole Miss. He's been at he's been at Clemson. He's you know, he's been he's been with some of the best coaches around and learned learned a lot. And um, maybe didn't leave Tuscaloosa under the best of circumstances, but I think he um, he's a heck of a coach and. Somebody that would be interested, and then um, like between he and Bohan, and that's you know that's two others that aren't head, don't have head coaching experience, but that are probably have shown that they are ready for um, ready for a head job somewhere. And uh, and a, a name I've heard the last couple of days, Roger, and I don't know how familiar you are with it. I remember when he was an assistant to Mike Bianco at Ole Miss, uh, but he's done a nice job at East Carolina, his alma mater, and that Cliff Godwin. Yes, I actually I heard his name um yeah, just today or yesterday. That was um I sure did. I um don't know anything I, I don't really know anything about him. Not, not enough to speak on for sure. Um but yeah, that's that's another name. I'm actually I'm down here in in Destin right now, not not for the meetings, but I mean just because I stay here during the summer usually, but um and I've Communicated with uh, Coach Battle a couple of times about about you know what process is and, and that type thing and you know he's trying to trying to sort through names and try to tear down a list a little bit and then start an interview process but he he you know is seemingly hoping or thinking that the majority of the guys are are in um, still playing so. You don't want to go out and get somebody that's <laughs> that's not playing uh, right now, um, since the uh, since the NCIs are just starting this week. Another, I don't know if y'all mentioned this name, and I, and I haven't heard anybody say it other than I, I know it's a job he would he would covet and would like is uh, Todd Butler, who used to be here. Absolutely, he was a great hitting uh, coach here, and I think right. he's at Wichita State. Is that correct? He's at Wichita, and they had a had a not very good year this year. Mm-hmm. He's been there a couple of years, and it's um, it's not gone as he had envisioned when he left Arkansas. So, yeah. I mean, 
he was head coach in waiting at Arkansas, and I think he was ended up like must champ out at Texas with Mac Brown. He was going to be sitting there waiting for a long time. <laughs> right. So he took so he took that Wichita job, but which is tough because following Gene Stevenson is it's kind of like following Bear Bryant, you know, on, on a lot smaller scale. But to the Wichita people, I mean, that was that was like, you know, that was their Bear Bryant. Um, yeah, Stevenson had been there so long and had had so much success with him. And I heard when mm-hmm. I was coming on, I heard you mention McDonald from Louisville. Yeah, that that would have been a pipe dream to begin with, but uh, signed for 2026 for over a million dollars a year. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, got to give Louisville a lot of credit for the stepping up with those kind of finances. I guess right now, Roger, he might be the highest paid coach in the country, even though I know Vanderbilt doesn't really ever release their. Yeah. Uh, financial. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, he was announced as the highest, but obviously the private schools don't have to say. But still, I, I still think I would imagine he is. I, I mean, Corbin might be. What are most of those guys like? Cohen and and those guys like seven fifty now. Yeah, and Seminary. Yeah, Minary and um, O'Sullivan. Um, some of those guys, I'm sure they're in that that range. And you know, Alabama was. Was playing paying Barden price, Barden basement prices. Oh yeah, um, yeah. With Mitch and um, so that you know they'll I think need to step that up. Although if you get one of these guys that's an up and comer that's not been a head head guy, I mean you don't have to. I don't. I think they would come for five hundred. It wouldn't have to be seven fifty. That kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But um, they you know probably need to. With the stadium and and uh, having a little momentum going with that, a, a big, I think a splash hire might be might be important to to some people. It may not be the correct hire in a lot of ways, but in in um, perception might be. But you know, look what happened to Tennessee when they 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 had a big perception hire with Serrano, and that even though they. For some reason, he's saving another another year or two. Um, that definitely has not worked out for them. And Roger, and before Kerry comes on, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. I was just going no, to say, no, with, with, I just wanted to say with Serrano, I'm glad you brought him up. There's one direction I don't want Bill Battle to go because to me, except for Augie going to Texas, the West Coast to the other coast has never worked. I don't think the style of baseball works. And the biggest thing, and I think Bill Battle knows this from the statement he released today, is they don't have ties to the South in recruiting. Exactly. And, and, and I think that's a, a key yeah. to this. Right. Yeah, that's um, – uh, and and I think that might have been part of what Bill said, you know, some sort of connection to the, to the state of Alabama and definitely to the SEC and the South in general because um, there's just too many players down here to, you know – to not have somebody that, and you need some connections with the with the high schools and the um, and the AAU or well the travel ball coaches and the post coaches and that type thing to um, you know just like in football I mean you got to build those relationships and and stick with them. And, Roger, you um, know, I agree with you that, that when Coach Battle said today something about Alabama ties, I think he meant the state, not the university. With that in mind, are, are you intrigued at all by Mervyn Melendez at Alabama State? Well, you know, uh, 
I got Ben Jones mentioned his name Ben from the Tuscaloosa News, and and you know, guy's done a heck of a job. And you know, it's kind of a shock that he's still in that program and not you know gone up somewhat. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's a name that um, that is interesting. Um, don't know all that much about him, but I, I, I have noticed that the last few years they've won quite a few games, and he's um. He's done a, a good job of um, getting a lot of Hispanic kids, I guess, out of Miami or, you know, South Florida and that type of thing. Um, but, you know, I'd be a, I don't know, that'd be a huge step up. Uh, might not be the be the um, the PR hire, but he might be looking into him. I mean, it'd definitely be worth worth interviewing to see what he has to offer. But, um, you know, he may be... He's apparently a very good coach, so it might be somebody to to definitely consider. Well, Roger, we know the draft is coming up. Um, uh, Burroughs was unbelievable. Uh, if, the, if they had had a better year as a team, he probably would have been a first-team All-American. He still may be, but he was as good as any closer in the country. We saw Nick Eicholtz really improve this year. A lot of pro scouts following him. Bramlett uh, was the Friday night guy. How many of these, uh, you know, juniors do you anticipate Alabama losing? And and it put and without the coaching staff being in place, it's kind of a an yeah. interesting situation. Well, I I obviously Thomas is, Thomas is going. Uh, I even talked to him about that, and you know they they're looking at second, third round kind of thing. Um, nice. Icoats will be Icoats will go probably fifth round or so. I wouldn't expect him back. Bramlett would like, you know, I believe personally wants to go, you know, but it's time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a great college pitcher. He, his velocity is not what pro scouts fall in right. love with. I mean, he's in the high 80s mostly. You know, if he was picking 92 consistently, it'd be a different story. He knows how to pitch. He's both sides of the plate and all that. So, I mean, he will get drafted. Um, you know, it's just going to depend on if if he and his family consider enough, you know, enough to go, um, or or gambling come back next year, and you know, and he, he would have a great year because he's a very good college pitcher. But you know, he may not do much. Um, I think Haney will probably go. Uh, he was a draft eligible sophomore last year. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and obviously the I mean the batting average isn't where you want it to be, but his defense and just raw power are just off the charts. And I think somebody would give him a fly and I would I think he would definitely be leaning toward going with um just you know, he's a little bit I mean, age wise he's he is a senior since he was a draft eligible sophomore, but I mean he would only be a senior next year. Um, and actually another kid that graduated that has a year of eligibility left that nobody saw because he never got to pitch that I think will go is Colton Freeman. Yeah. He pitched pitched nine innings and had 18 strikeouts and didn't allow a run. (laughs) And once he, once he was and walked to and gave up three hits. Um, but once he figured it out, how to throw strikes, I mean, he was dynamite. He just didn't get the opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. 
because historically he, he had been wild and not able to throw the ball over the plate. But uh, right. he he worked a lot with Peanut and, and Dax. And um, as Peanut told me one day, he said I fixed him. So and apparently <laughs> he did because <laughs> he uh, his curveball was just is just I mean like looks like a big league curveball. I mean it is it is wicked. So yeah, you know he he is he was redshirted, but it, he's you know, been here four years and he's graduated and, you know, had never really gotten much of a chance. Now that, and this, that's might be one case where a new coach coming in might sway him to say, okay, I'm going to get to pitch now, but you know, you don't, I don't think, I don't know that we'll have a coach in place here before the draft comes up. I doubt and, it. And I, yeah. Since it's coming up this week or next week, or pretty yeah, next week, I believe. Yeah, it's pretty soon. Less than really about a week's time. And just finally, the last question: uh, When do you when do you anticipate? You communicated a little bit with Coach Battle. Do you think he'll wait till a College World Series or uh, or or after, or just does it depend um, on the timing? I think it depends on who his targets are. If his main target's still playing, I think he'll wait a little longer. I mean, he wants to do it sooner rather than later, but also doesn't want to rush it. So it's just got to be the right right timing for everything. So, you know, if it's, I mean, just hypothetical, if it were Cohen and they end up going to the World Series, you're looking at toward the end of June before you do anything. But if it's Calvi and South Alabama gets put out this weekend, you know, the, the timeline could move if, that's, if that ends up being his – his number one target. So um, just kind of kind of wait and see game. I mean, he's a patient man and a good businessman, so he knows how to play his cards. So he'll figure figure something out. Well, Roger, we always appreciate the insight, sir, and the time this evening. Uh, and uh, thank you for coming on. You, you are so close to the program. You bring such great insight to us, and we thank you for – you know, kind of wrapping up Mitch Gaspard's tenure, and uh, we all appreciate his service to the university and look forward to hopefully a, a brighter days coming along for this Alabama baseball program. Uh, we love the new facility, one of the best in the country, and hopefully in the next couple of years uh, the program will uh, be – I can guess can get back to where Mitch and the, as an assistant brought it. No, that's going to be hard but because it's the toughest league in America, but I still think it's doable, and right. we all hope to see uh, Alabama back in the regional soon, and we thank you for your time. Okay, thank you guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. That's Roger you. Myers. I remember the Grand Slammers and uh, much like Rick Penley, one of the two, three closest people to the program. And before we bring on our next caller, who's a great friend of the show, I also wanted to say uh, I wanted to thank Paige Hawkman for being such a great friend to BAMS Radio, and I know she still will be. Uh, Asian Rim has always supported this show very well. And uh, really, I wanted to just pay tribute to her son, Georgie Salem, who is a double major uh, at Alabama and a great student and is going to do, uh, you know, yeoman's work in the business world whenever his baseball days are over. But he had a very solid career at Alabama, came back when he could have turned pro last year and didn't make an error. I, th- I still think he's as good as any center fielder defensively in college baseball and just struggled offensively this year, but really finished strong, though, the last month of the season. Was glad to see that. And I'm hoping he'll get his name called in the draft this upcoming and in the next few days, and get an opportunity to play out his dream and, and uh, make a run in uh, the big to, in, in uh, pro professional baseball because I think he deserves it. He's a class kid, and you know he's going to be successful. 
with uh, how he uh, performed as a student in the classroom also. But just thank him, Chance Vincent, Daniel Cujan, uh, you know, John Keller, all the seniors that are moving on, uh, and uh, some of the juniors as well. But just wanted to say special thanks to Georgie Salem and, of course, Paige Hockman, who's such a great person and been such a great friend of BAMS Radio. She definitely has, and uh, she uh, she made the point a couple times that Mitch had helped Georgie be a better man, and that says a lot to be yes. said. And I do think that Georgie's name will be called – in the draft uh, at some point. Just not sure when, but a great defensive center center like that with some speed. There's 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 a place in some organization for him. He was drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks last year. We'll see what happens to the young man next week. We do wish him well for sure. And uh, joining us with only a few minutes to go on the show this week is our good friend and our regular caller, Colin Big C. McGuire from Greenville, Alabama on the Asian Rim Hotline. What's up, Big C.? Good. I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I thought the show was going to be on Thursday night. I'm glad you told me about it. Um, I, I wish I could have got to hear Roger more, but uh, so yeah, I think the guy from uh, Alabama State might be a possibility. Is uh, him and uh, Mark Calvi, especially at South Alabama Big C. Uh, they could also continue to go big game hunting. Uh, but as we talked about, Dan McDonald from Louisville is getting paid now a million dollars a year. Uh, that so he's off the table. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of financial commitment Alabama makes. I think they need to be paying in at least the six hundred to seven hundred thousand range to get a front line head coach, and hopefully Coach Battle and and the boosters will do that uh, to be commiserate along with the the forty two million dollar stadium. But you know, and and, uh, and to make that commitment, they've made the commitment facility wise. Now, Mitch Gashbard and his staff are in the lower third of the league, as Roger said. But now you uh you need to make it. You need to be in the upper echelon and. Hopefully they'll do that, and we will see. But uh, Alabama is going to be uh, searching. Uh, Bill Battles, it's well underway, and we'll see where it goes, my friend. But, yeah, I think those two guys will be there. And, and Big C, always remember, uh, sometime tonight or either early in the morning, Thomas will have the podcast up, and you want to go back and listen. Uh, uh, you can go back and listen to the entire show and just kind of hear their thoughts. Okay. Well, um, I thought it was interesting how Nick Saban was ranting and raving, but I agree with him about the satellite camps. Like, I think he might have a point there. They might could turn into like these AAU things are in basketball. What do y'all think about that kind of Well, you know, <laughs> I think there's a lot to it. Uh, but then Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, hinted on Feinbaum show that what they might just do is have the SEC hold their own satellite camp that all their coaches would participate in, and that way they wouldn't fool with the rest of them around the country. And any prospect worth his salt, four or five stars, is one of going to come compete in an SEC satellite camp. So, long term, that might be the way to handle it. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, did they pass anything or what else are they talking about down in Boston right now? Uh, not much. It's just talking about what basically how FOS Hugh Freeze is and Ole Miss and uh, basically, uh, they're they're in big trouble, and everybody knows it. Uh, Hugh just doesn't know when to be quiet. Uh, he kind of took a shot at Alabama saying, you know, certain schools, when you start beating them, all of a sudden allegations start coming up. Well, he he's going to get his head caved in, I think, soon. And the Reverend Freeze will probably be selling insurance or be an offensive coordinator in the next two to three years. But we'll see. I think uh, they've obviously – uh, been uh, uh, been uh, skirting the rules, so to speak. We've we've talked about it ad nauseum on BAMs, and I think there's no doubt they've been doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, but I mean, uh, they 
<laughs> that will all come to roost. They're still investigating Laramie Tunsil. Uh, you know, there. Bill Battle went on record today, Big C, about Alabama's and not having the Bo Davis thing wrapped up yet. But as William Barger said in the first hour, it's like Joker Phillips. He's already been dismissed. I don't think it, it involves some illegal contact. It's not going to be an, anything a major issue for Alabama. And that's why Nick Saban and the Bill Battle and the administration and compliance dealt with it so quickly, and he's been dismissed. But, again, it's uh, been really all about Ole Miss down there this week, and uh, just uh, they're uh, trying to continue to win the PR battle and uh, are going to lose. Yeah, that's interesting. And I noticed, though, um, Colin Cowherd's running is now saying that Saban should be uh, fearful of Jim uh, Harbaugh. Well, I wasn't exactly. He also uh, said Alabama's Davis. dynasty was over this summer, so uh, his over track two. record, he's a little bit, he's about like uh, the, uh, some other websites are, are, that cover the University of Alabama. They're swinging and missing quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. That's right. Well, we got to wrap it up, Big C. Uh, I'll All right, thank you. About tomorrow morning. I appreciate it, my friend. Friday. We always you enjoy mean, it. You meant Friday. Friday. Just Friday, big man. Tomorrow. Yeah. Friday. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, Friday. I'll text you later. All right, All right man. Have Thanks, a good night, y'all. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Well, it's time to wrap up uh, another edition of BAMS Radio. And I uh, want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. Thank uh, William Barger for and uh, Roger Myers for joining us live. And, of course, via tape, thank Ben Jones. And we thank Jim Stein. All good friends of the show. And, um, so thank you again for listening to BAMS Radio. For uh, Drew DeArmond of 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville. For Thomas Watt, Touchdown Alabama Magazine, our producer in Mobile. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of scout.com and Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night and roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>